Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. We are broadcasting live from Sirius XM's gorgeous studios here in Hollywood, California. It is so great to be back. It is really nice to do this show when there's still daylight out. I'm still not bored with it. I can, I can see the sun from the windows. Pretty wild. Uh, Chris Hauselt is producing our show from South Carolina. The great Thea Harper produces our show from Brooklyn. And uh, I'm here with Russ. We got a great one tonight. A lot of our favorite regulars will be here. Uh, Professor Corey Brechneider is going to be with us very, very shortly to talk about, well, uh, legal stuff. Because, man, it's crazy out there. A uh, lot of legal news today I want to get to in a bit. In our second hour, our good friend Lawrence Ross is back. He's one of America's most important lecturers and writers of African-American literature. He's written six books, including The Divine Nine, The History of African-American Fraternities and Sororities, and The Ways of Black Folks, A Year in the Life of a People. He's going to be with us to talk about college sports and uh, politics. He's lectured at over 500 colleges and universities, and every time we're in the West Coast, we always try to get Lawrence Ross to come down tonight. We uh, we lucked out. Oh, it's a beautiful day here in L.A., uh, except in my place, because my, my little child, we traveled here two weeks ago, and uh, we thought, hey, we're going to do two weeks living in L.A., working. I'll work remotely and in the studio. The woman I live with is working remotely, and the kid hanging out. We go to the beach, bop around, try to not spend too much money. Last week, the child gets a cough, a bad cough. And uh, it, not, not, not too bad at first, but it lingers a couple days, then it stays. By today, it's like nine days. When your kid's cough reaches the nine-day mark, that's when you have to pretend to be a good parent and do something. You can't just, uh, you know, maybe it's bronchitis. He'll get over it. You can't, you can't do that. So, so we, we say, okay, I'm going to take him to urgent care because the woman I live with has to work during the day. I work at night like Batman. So during the day, my Bruce Wayne job is being a nanny for my kid, and, and, uh, which is great. He's an awesome one. And we go, but before we can go to the urgent care, here's the thing. We know that the first thing they're going to say at urgent care is, has he had a COVID test? So let's give him a COVID test first, right? Let's, let's save some money because they're going to charge you $765 for a COVID test at urgent care. I mean, you need a Pell Grant. Like, uh, uh, if you go to urgent care and ask for a COVID test, it costs the same as one year of college or an Oldsmobile. So, so we drive to the pharmacy. Turns out they're sold out of COVID tests. We go to another pharmacy. They're sold out of COVID tests. We go to a third. They are also sold out of COVID-19 tests. It's August of 2023. Now, if I was back in New York, in our, in our, our home base, I've got like 400 COVID tests in a closet. 
New York City public school system sends them home with children, like 20 at a time. The kid can't even hold his backpack. It's too heavy. We have an abundance of COVID-19 tests back home. Here, can't get him anywhere. So I take the kid into urgent care, just me and him, and we walk in and, oh, you know, they make us wait and wait and wait. And um, at one point, I turned to look at my child in the waiting room, and my child um, has been reading a comic book and just, you know, doing his own thing. I'm on the phone trying to read the news stories about what Ron DeSantis did that's embarrassing. It's good. We'll get to it in a minute. And uh, I turn to look at my child, and he says, hey, Dad. And I look at him, and um, I notice that his face is covered in blood (laughs) in the waiting room. And my child has actually pulled a tooth out. (laughs) He's pulled a baby tooth out of his head, smearing blood all over his face at the exact second they say, Henry, and we go in. So I'm trying to explain to an RN that I, I'm not, well, I'm, I'm horribly abusive, but not right now. Really, I'm holding a child's tooth in my hand saying, I, I didn't do this. See, here, here it is. I'm trying to explain my mother was an RN, so I'm not a complete monster. Uh, anyway, they don't know what's wrong with him. He got, got some you know, erythromycin. Uh, he complained about the taste. And they gave us a COVID test. $95, baby. $95. The pandemic is over. So that was my day. How was yours? Because it was a pretty crazy day in the world. New records show the city of L.A. spent most of the $1.2 billion of their COVID relief funds on cops and firemen's salaries. L.A. spent less than $100 million of the $1.2 billion spent less than $100 million on small businesses and household rental and utility assistance. And then guess how much L.A. spent of the $1.2 billion with a B Guess how much they spent on equitable housing for the poor? That would be zero dollars. Yes, you guessed correctly. Also, the average covert hospitalization rate nationwide has gone up 17% from June to July. That's according to the latest data from the CDC. See, no one's testing anymore. So we don't know how bad COVID is. All we know is the hospitalization rates are going up and you can't find a freaking COVID test in a pharmacy. Guys, please be safe. Please, I know you still have masks in your house. Hang on to them. The death toll in Maui has now crossed 110 today. And as appalling and depressing as that is, there's more than a thousand residents still missing. These poor people were incinerated. They were cremated alive and their ashes blew away. There may not be remains. We may never know how many American souls were lost in the worst wildfire in 100 years of this country. North Carolina, they have a state legislature that uh, is so Christian, they want to override Governor Roy Cooper and they want to override Jesus because Roy Cooper had a veto on their three anti-trans bills and Jesus uh, commands you to treat transgender people exactly the way you treat him. Also, uh, we mentioned last night the Talking Heads are going to actually reunite, not for an album or any new music or live shows. They're going to do a, an interview with Spike Lee together at, at Toronto Film Festival. Today, uh, David Byrne admitted some guilt for the breakup in People magazine. In an interview, he said, as a younger person, I was not as pleasant to be around. When I was working on some Talking Heads shows, I was more of a little tyrant. And then I learned to relax. I learned that collaborating with people, both sides, gets more if there's a good relationship instead of me telling everybody what to do. The most shocking part of this story David Byrne was interviewed by People magazine. You know, Sinead O'Connor's on the cover of People right now, and I've always wondered, well, what would it take to get Sinead O'Connor in People magazine? Now we know. Also, Hurricane Hillary. Uh, I came to L.A. for the weather. 
And uh, I've been working here two weeks, working here at home, working here in the studio on the freeway. Took me took me an hour and 40 minutes to get here today, by the way, because uh, I don't know if you all know this, but L.A. has these freeways and they get crowded at rush hour. You understand, I, I work at a stupid time. So uh, my vacation begins this weekend just in time for the first hurricane to hit Southern California in 80 years. Folks in the Southland, if you don't know, Hurricane Hillary is rapidly intensifying in the Pacific. It could bring heavy rain, even flash flooding the Southern California and Nevada by the weekend. But the extreme weather caused by climate change is a myth. So hurricanes and flooding in Nevada, don't even worry about it, could potentially bring significant impacts to parts of the southwestern U.S., including rainfall of up to 10 inches. Here in L.A., where lots of men think they know how long that is, and they lie. As of today, Hurricane Hillary has sustained winds of 105 miles per hour. The forecast calls for landfall Sunday over the Baja California Peninsula. As always, folks, if you're in a place with extreme dangerous weather, if you can, please check on seniors. Please look out for animals. Um, also, the names and addresses of the grand jurors in Donald Trump's 2020 election case have been leaked by Donald Trump supporters looking for retribution because terrorists are going to terrorize. And finally, the biggest story of the day, the story that should be all we talk about. I could literally do the next three hours on this show just talking about Robert De Niro turning 80, born the 17th of August, 1943, possibly the greatest film actor America has ever produced. I didn't say oh, Daniel Day-Lewis, Olivia, America has ever produced a man who has made, well, I guess as, as, as some questionable films in the last couple of decades. But uh, I don't think you can find many American actors, male actors who've done as many great performances in as many great films as him all night long. When you call to rant about politics or whatnot, please, please, please uh, let us know your top five or your top three, either your top three uh, De Niro films or your top three to five De Niro characters. Because we all know Robert De Niro has been great in some pretty terrible movies. Looking right at you in the face, Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. All right. Dubious advice. Ready? Dubious advice roundup. Let's talk a little bit about bad advice or good advice not taken. Because that big news conference Donald Trump promised on Monday, the big one that's going to blow your minds with his large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report. Large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable to prove he's innocent of election meddling in Georgia. Can we stop saying meddling? Meddling sounds like your, your Jewish grandmother's trying to get you married off to someone. Please. He was trying to hack democracy. It's canceled. It's really canceled. He canceled it. Canceled like his presidency. Canceled like his marriages. Canceled like his natural hairline. It is gone. Not here. Like Eric and the Trump family on Christmas Day. We don't know where. Not invited. Uh, rumor is his lawyers threatened to quit if he went through with it. Joey Tacopinas and trusty whatever his name is and John Moron. Whatever, all the guys that got paid in advance, <laughs> they all threatened to quit. It's off. They talked him out of it because they said making more dubious election claims is only going to make things worse for you. Makes it better for your lawyers because you got to pay them more. But this is two days after he went to Phil Social and announced this press conference claiming he'd release a report that would lead to his complete exoneration in the racketeering case. Uh, he still faces 13 counts in that indictment, his fourth. Um, Mark Hamill, good friend of the show, said, I was really looking forward to that, especially since it would have been so darn irrefutable. 
the thing is, um, okay, Trump lawyers, I'm mad at you for it. I wanted the press conference to happen because I think he was only doing it to upstage the Republican debate that's happening the next night. I mean, I bet you anything he surrenders to authorities in Georgia the next morning. So no one's talking about the debate the following day. I'm just I'm telling you, he's going to try and use the media to completely distract from those knuckleheads and also rands that are going to show up there. Um, But the best thing about it is, even if Donald Trump did produce evidence that could prove his innocence, it would have no bearing whatsoever on the actual indictments. He's just trying to fundraise off the rubes. And he's scared. Here's Bill Barr, a man who has covered up more shit than cat litter. Bill Barr on the Cavuto show on Fox. So what a summit, right? Uh, Bill Barr and Cavuto, two men who always knew better, (laughs) talking about what kind of mess Donald Trump's in. Give a listen. When push comes to shove, it'll be clear that there are other candidates who can win decisively. But, you know, I think the chances are that that he will be in, he will be convicted on some counts. And can you see him doing jail time. But I don't think that that translates into jail time. Why? Because I think, uh, you know, if I was attorney general and, and we were prosecuting, for example, on the documents case, which is a righteous case, I wouldn't want to see a former president in jail. I think a very substantial penalty would serve the public interest. But putting him in jail has too many collateral bad impacts on the country. So I think that's probably where it would end up. <laughs> collateral bad impacts means it would really upset all the racists. Um, meanwhile, let's talk about other people who have given Donald Trump very bad advice. Jenna Ellis. The conservative media personality and former Trump lawyer who was almost but not quite disbarred for her lies by the state of Colorado. She's now uh, getting a GoFundMe up to raise cash for her defense fees after she got indicted this week in Georgia. She's one of several members of Donald Trump's legal team who gave him very bad advice, who's been indicted by a grand jury of citizens for plotting to overturn the state's presidential election results. Jen Ellis has already raised more than $46,000, which is very impressive, except it's not. It's going to take a lot more than that. Uh, Our friend Jen Ellis has been wrongly indicted in Georgia by the radical Democrat DA and doesn't have the funds needed to vigorously defend herself, tweeted uh, Mark Levin. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know it was Mark Levin. Let me let me do that again. Our friend Jenna Ellis has been wrongly indicted in Georgia by the radical Democrat DA and doesn't have the funds needed to vigorously defend herself. Take that, De Niro. <laughs> it's like I inhabit the character. Man, I can't tell if I'm being him or he's being me. Um, so, yeah, he called the indictment a sickening abomination. By the way, Jenna is supporting Ron DeSantis uh, in the primary for 2024. She called him the right choice. You know... <laughs> I guess with Jenna, it's whatever way the wind is blowing. And by the way, speaking of the wind is blowing on Jenna, let's talk about Rudy Giuliani. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, you who got it, got it. Over there on CNN, former Nixon White House counsel and friend of this show, Mr. John Dean. He explored some legal options for the increasingly cash star Rudolph Giuliani, who's going to be looking at a choice. He's 79 years old. He can flip on Trump or die in prison. Give a listen to Mr. Dean. Well, he can get a court-appointed lawyer at some stage. Uh, Representing yourself is the worst option because 
you'll uh, anyone who represents himself is likely to make bad decisions about that representation. I think Rudy is likely to uh, go into Chapter 11 or bankruptcy of some sort. Uh, I understand his his apartment is on the market. Uh, it could raise several million dollars, uh, but he probably has a lot of debt he has to handle immediately as well. So I think bankruptcy is a potential and maybe a court-appointed attorney. And then there's Rhonda. <laughs> By the way, I'd love to see Trump defend himself. I'd, I'd actually, I would pay his lawyers to stay home and let Trump defend himself. So a firm associated with the super PAC that has pretty much taken over Ron DeSantis' campaign, this firm posted online like hundreds of pages of advice for DeSantis and research memos and polling before the GOP debate. And it's really interesting. Apparently, he's being urged to defend Donald Trump at the debate every time Trump is attacked by Chris Christie. He's also encouraged to uh, attack Biden and the media three to five times exactly. These are this is this. This is really funny. This is how bad it is for Ron DeSantis, because someone leaked this and someone leaked this to help him, not embarrass him. So keep that in mind. They posted this memo and they had the four basic must do's. Number one, attack Joe Biden and the media three to five times. Number two, state Ron DeSantis's positive vision two to three times, but not as often as you attack Joe Biden and the media. Number three, hammer Vivek Ramaswamy. Beat up on Vivek. <laughs> There's many reasons why. Uh, number four, defend Trump in absentia in response to attacks from Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Again, this was uploaded to the website of Axiom Strategies, but then they deleted it. Hundreds of pages of opposition research they just put up. Well, allow me to quote our friend Richard Dreyfus. This was not a polling accident. Super PACs are barred from directly communicating with campaigns. So sometimes they do crafty little things like this by posting or leaking things to the press, right? This means... Um, We'll post it somewhere. Someone on your campaign can see it. Then we'll delete it. That's all. That's it. Uh, David Axelrod pointed out now, if and when DeSantis does any of these things in next week's debate, he'll look utterly inauthentic. It's insane. Now, now, David, come on. I'm, I'm sure that won't be the case. I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Ron DeSantis will be really, really happy to go after Donald Trump. And I'm sure he'll mention him by name, too. In fact, uh, here, here at radio station WBZ. Ron DeSantis makes a strong case for a Trump-free election. Oh, wait. He, he never quite gets around to saying Trump's name again. Give a listen. I think if the election is about why Biden has failed and what we're going to do to get the country on the right track, reverse our, our nation's decline, you know, restore uh, American greatness, we are going to win. If the election is about... Things like what document was left by the toilet at Mar-a-Lago, if it's about things that happen uh, in, the, in the 2020 and all this stuff. If that is what the, the elections are referendum on, then Republicans are going to lose. And I believe that from the beginning uh, all the way to the present, uh, the more distractions that are out there, the more likely Biden is going to get reelected. Now, keep this in mind, Ron could be grovel. You know, there's two theories. One is that Ronda is afraid to attack Trump because he believes that Trump is going to logically be exed out of the race by his legal problems or health problems. And so Ronda wants to have good blood with MAGA. Makes a lot of sense if you ask me. The other angle is Ronda is still auditioning to be vice president. He's a young guy and uh, Donald Trump can only serve one term. 
So whoever gets to be Donald Trump's VP will be the de facto nominee if Trump is elected uh, come 2028. That's a possibility as well. I got to say, Donald Trump's really going to regret missing this debate after all fighting amongst themselves and not mentioning him. But the documents in these, you know, that were posted had so much attack material on Vivek Ramaswamy, who's doing pretty good in internal New Hampshire polling. There were no opposition files on Donald Trump. He is a pathetic, craven flunky. And finally, Thirsty Thursday. Who is the biggest media whore we've got out there? Well, there's not a lot of competition today. Georgia State Senator Colton Moore has demanded that Governor Brian Kemp call an emergency session of the legislature to try to impeach Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. And it's hilarious. This this guy, this hump, this neckbeard, this unremarkable doughy mediocrity has penned this letter to Governor Kemp demanding he impeach. Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Will. In our opinion, an emergency exists in the affairs of the state requiring a special session to be convened to include without limitation review and response to the actions of Fonnie Willis, said Captain Neckbeard in his letter, which he shared on Twitter. He said, America's under attack. Not going to sit back and watch as radical left prosecutors politically target political opponents. And then he ate some little Debbie cakes. Um, first off, he doesn't really seem to understand that the legislature in which he works does not fund the DA's office. You can't do that. <laughs> and again, he went on Breitbart and said, we must strip all funding and if appropriate, impeach Fonnie Willis. This is happening while Ms. Willis and her office are trying to speed up the timeline. They wanted the trial to start on March 4th, a day before Super Tuesday. Here's a little snippet uh, where Colton Moore uh, lays out his thoughts. Uh, here's the funny part about it. Really? He knows this is a waste of time. He knows this will never work. Turns out he's just doing it to raise money. Give a listen to Colton Moore. Hello, this is Colton Moore from Northwest Georgia, state senator. I've officially called for an emergency legislative session to investigate corrupt district attorney Bonnie Willis. I'm sick and tired of these weak so-called leaders telling us to sit down and be quiet. We have to take action. I need patriots like you to help me. We got a country to save. <laughs> you got to see the video. It's so funny. And the problem is, again, uh, you can't do that. Donald Trump, if he is pardoned, it can only be five years after his conviction. So 2029, bucko, is your best shot. And your own governor, Brian Kemp, and the secretary of state all agree the election wasn't stolen. And D.A. Willis should be doing her duty. And she is not politically targeting anybody. But again, it's a grift. They can't do anything to her. They're not really trying to. If they wanted to do something to her, they would have done it before the indictments. It's all for show. This doughy mediocrity is doing it to get money off of the rubes. And the rubes fall for this shit because it's a great grift. That's why I am officially calling for an emergency session to review the actions of Senator Colton Moore. My statement means absolutely nothing just like Colton's. We want to know what you guys think. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Really quick, Michael in the Bronx, welcome. Hey, John, thank you so Hi, much. Hi, what's up? Uh, thank you, what's on your mind? Well, well, two things that, oh no, as I was, I'm away with my wife, earlier this morning, as we were getting ready for breakfast, to head out for breakfast, I'm going through the channels, and I come across Morning Joe, both, 
yesterday and today. Yes. And some startling info. First off, you already mentioned one of them, that the jurors and the judge in D.C. are both targeted by the Trump MAGA base, and that the names and addresses of the jurors are yep. posted on the far right wing website. Now, mm-hmm. you know, this is definite death threats, as we have seen time and again from that man who I'm still demanding be locked up. These are, let's be fair. The these are not death threats from him. These are death threats because of him. They are not death threats from him. Yep. Because of him. Yeah, but yes. you know he sets the precedent. He knows he yes, sets but, the pace. Yes, but, but we have this, we have this uh, real words. burden on us, Michael. We're not allowed to lie about shit because it feels good. It's, it sucks, man. It's a real burden. I mean, I wish I was over there working on, on Breitbart because my life would be a lot easier and I can say whatever name thought pops into my head, regardless of how hateful or false it is. But we have to be honest. Donald but, Trump is yeah. not trying to kill these people directly. Go on. No, I know that. I know that because he's already setting up his base to carry forth the um, the threats. That's why I still never forget when he says you do have your Second Amendment remedies. Yeah. What the hell is that? Where did that come I from? Know. You know what I'm I saying? Know. I know. But so again, as you, know out, as, as you point um, out, U.S. District Judge uh, Tanya Chutkin presiding over the, the, uh, the federal election case, there was a woman in Texas mm-hmm. just arrested on charges threatening to kill her as well. So, you know, all the true romantics of MAGA are all coming out. They'll never give up on their and men. Then, and how clueless is MAGA? Here's the other part I was going to bring up. I learned yesterday that the people, the, was it 18 or 19 co-defendants, in this um, Georgia case, you know, Trump had hired them to try to fix the outcome of the elections, to try to steal any and every unlawful um, duty that they were um, committing. Yes, yes. But Trump never paid them yet. All this fundraising he's doing, getting so much cash from his supporters, and then his lawyers, he's not paying off the lawyers, he's not paying off anybody else he hired to um, commit the organized crime, if you want to call it. And the report is that he basically pretty much lied to his lawyers and lied to those people saying, you do this, i pay you this, i pay you that. He never paid them. So yeah. this is why there's a thing called woke. This is why <laughs> we say if people wake up and smell the coffee. MAGA people, if you happen to be listening, I just said Trump has lied to his immediate circle, you got to it. his lawyers. If he lies to them, what the hell makes you think that he wouldn't lie to you? Wake Michael, they don't up. care. They don't care. They know he lies, but he's their man, so he's lying for them. They don't mind. They're loyal, and that's why I tell all Trump supporters, support your man, be blindly obedient, and send him money, because it really owns the libs. And if you really want to own the libs, MAGA, make a substantial donation to the Trump University or the Trump Foundation. Ooh, we hate when you do that. Thank you, Michael. Quick break. We'll be right back with Professor Corey Brettschneider on Progress. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. 
Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. We're always excited to have Professor Corey Brettschneider return to our airwaves. He is the man with a Ph.D. in politics from Princeton, a law degree from Stanford, and he uses his superpowers to enrich the lives in the poli-sci department of students at Brown University. You may have read his analyses of politics in Politico, the New York Times, and Time magazine. You should get his book, The Oath in the Office, A Guide to the Constitution for Future Presidents. It is a great book about how this country works. I recommend it as a gift for yourself or for anybody else. Also, check out his Penguin Liberty Series books on free speech, impeachment, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg's most notable cases. Professor Brett Schneider, welcome back. Thanks, John. Uh, Another week, another indictment, lots to talk about. Yeah. Um, congratulations. I hope you enjoyed the indictment. I, I, I don't know if it's in bad taste to have a favorite indictment, Corey, but I, I, I mean, I know they're all special in the eyes of the Lord, but I, this one feels really special. I, I know that, that the January 6th federal one is, is important, but this, Lordy, there's tapes. I mean, we have Donald Trump criming on audio tape, so it's always kind of been close to my heart. What, what, what did you think when the news came down on Monday night? I mean, this, you know, I, I we were talking about how, how I believe last time the January 6th was sort of the granddaddy, and I continue to think that because it's really about the overall scheme. Also, I think it's important that it's a federal indictment. This was not just a localized matter. It was about the future of the country. And so that, that one, I think, in my view, is still my favorite. But this is a cl- cl- close, I would say more than a cousin, it's a sibling. <laughs> in that, the, you know, the overall scheme uh, of the attempt to steal the election and collapse our democracy is the January 6th case. But this is um, the local version. You really see in detail how they plan to do this. And uh, I know one thing we'll talk about, too, is the sort of role that you and I have been focused on of John Eastman, the architect, as I see it, of the entire plan. You see him. Yes setting up meetings and really taking this from just an abstract constitutional idea uh, to really being on the ground. I mean, you know, as uh, somebody who hears all the time about professors uh, being too abstract in their thinking and not practical, you see uh, in a really evil way this uh, law professor moving from the most abstract principles of constitutional law to the most minute details now in the local case of setting up meetings and really orchestrating uh, this uh, disaster in waiting. 
It was fascinating to see how many of these lawyers that we all had to watch doing this nonstop reality TV prank show pageant that ran for months from late 2020 into 2021. All these lawyers pushing the big lie, having their cases tossed out of court, some with extreme prejudice. Um, It's like a reunion show, Corey. They're all here. There's Jenna Ellis. (laughs) There's there's Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani. But but John John Eastman really is a special case. I mean, Giuliani might be shinier to people who care about basic morality, but John Eastman really, you could argue, is the architect of this whole damn thing. Absolutely. You know, he put it together just to remind listeners last time we were talking about his, I would call it fake constitutional theory of the 12th Amendment, that if you read the 12th Amendment closely, even though it gives the vice president in reality a simply formal role in acknowledging the votes coming in, he really turned that into the idea that the vice president could decide the election and then designed a series of fake electors with the thought that he would persuade um, Pence in order to to recognize the fake, not the real electors, including from the crucial state of Georgia, which, of course, Trump won. And their scheme here was to send this uh, fake slate of electors. And so we talked last time, I mean, really about the, the constitutional arguments, you know, the biggest most foundational part of the, the law, the, the way he read the 12th Amendment. And that really sounds like a wonky thing that uh, law professors do. I was actually on a listserv with John Eastman for a long time and saw him mm. defend even after um, uh, these events, you know, his, his theory. But, you know, the idea that this was somehow just some theoretical thing that a lawyer was doing, it's very hard to believe that after you see uh, him uh, really, you know, conspiring with uh, Giuliani with uh, the president, with officials on the ground uh, in in what this uh, indictment lays out as a kind of criminal organization devoted to overturning the election illegally. This guy is fascinating, Eastman. I was watching an interview where he was saying that if Trump's effort to overturn the election had been successful, uh, one hopes our military would have understood their obligation to put down any riots because he said failure to do so would mean subjecting yourself to mob rule. There is more than a few reasons why this man is in the middle of California disbarment proceedings, even as we speak. Yeah, and I think these, you know, now that he's been indicted, that goes from what might have seemed like a hard case to them. I think it'll bring clarity that this isn't a hard case. You know, he, he's been arguing and the president has been and will continue to argue that there's somehow a free speech issue here that Eastman will say, I'm just giving my opinion as a law professor yeah. and trying to set up meetings where I could say what I believe about the 12th Amendment. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the First Amendment doesn't include the right to conspire uh, to destroy our electoral democracy. And that's what this this case, especially in combination with the January 6th. Uh, case allows us to see that this wasn't just some theorist or some law professor. It was somebody really working with a group uh, and really in plain sight. I mean, that's the other point you made that I don't want to lose sight of. You know, so much of January 6th obviously was a crime playing out before our own eyes. And these lawsuits were a crime playing out before our own eyes. And we've known for a long time, of course, about that infamous phone call between Trump and the Secretary of State of Georgia. And you know, of course, there was a background to all of that. And now we have a much fuller picture. And it is so, so damning. I, I don't see how they uh, survived this. I mean, last night we saw on MSNBC this footage of Roger Stone on November 5th, 2020. <laughs> November 5th, 2020, talking about how they had to lobby Republican legislatures 
to send electors to the Electoral College who accurately reflect the president's legitimate victory in that state, which was <laughs> illegally denied him through fraud. I mean, Eastman could literally argue that Roger Stone cooked up this plan and he was just the guy assigned to do it by his employer. I mean, that that's going to be fascinating watching the, the rats all try to jump, jump ship. And, you know, this is set up like a mafia case. We have, um, you know, a large, large number of famous characters, some of them not famous, who are involved in the Georgia part of all of this, the conspiracy to um, illegally send these fake electors and also illegally um, harassing local officials. Um, uh, And the question is, which one of them is going to jump ship first? I mean, Giuliani doesn't strike me as a particularly stable person i would imagine that he'll be that's the question right i mean who who's gonna flip i mean rudy's got a rudy's 79 Corey. Uh, he's got a choice of flipping on trump or dying in a state prison i want to keep stressing that rudy's looking not at a cushy federal pen he's looking at state prison in georgia absolutely and you know they're they're saying the sheriff is saying he's going to book them like any other local defendant and uh same with eastman you know this is the the former dean of Chapman Law School, it's somebody who's used to being a scholar and being afforded a lot of respect. Uh, and, you know, he had his moment where he saw, wow, I'm talking to Giuliani, I'm talking to Trump. He was really just a pundit uh, through the Trump presidency, trying to get the attention of the administration. I was invited at one point, uh, I believe, to debate him on birthright citizenship. He was lying at the <laughs> time about what the Constitution said about the right to be a citizen if you're born here. It's a pretty simple point. He tried to mm-hmm. pretend that it, that the Constitution says something else. And, you know, all of those were an attempt to get the attention of Trump, to get the attention of people like Giuliani, who had the president's ear. And I think the moment that this, uh, this fraudulent theory of the 12th Amendment came to him, that he saw he could get attention, uh, that Trump and Giuliani were really you know, they were going to cheat and they needed some theory of how yeah. to do it. He he had his chance. And wow, did he he jump in. But, you know, somebody like that, too, who's so craven and looking for their moment in the spotlight, I imagine they also might see the chance to flip and, and jump off the ship. And uh, so in, in the bingo right. game of, you know, who's going to flip first, I'd say it's between Giuliani and Eastman. I mean, I, I kind of love it that, the, you know, all of his lawyers, they're uh, they're grabbing him by the posse. Corey. That's what they're doing. They're grabbing him by the posse. You know, and it's also fascinating to think that if Donald Trump's defense really is, I was just taking bad advice. How lovely that all of his fellow defendants are his former lawyers he's trying to throw under the bus in the same exact case. Corey, there's going to be all kinds of interesting action going on here. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm calling it uh, uh, jump ship Bingo, you'll come up with a name, some bingo. <laughs> so what if he wins? What 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 if what if Trump wins? You were posing this question earlier. What 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 if he does? Yeah, I think we've really got to now that 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 defense. It's a possibility. My God, I check those polls every day. I think yeah, um, you know, various polling and his approval rating doesn't seem to really budge for long below forty percent. Uh, and today it looks like uh, Biden is beating him only by a few points in that potential lineup. So that's a real possibility that we have to contend with. And I have bad news for listeners, which is that if he wins, there's a good chance all of these cases go away. The federal cases, certainly, because he'll hire certainly. an attorney general, appoint an attorney general who will fire Jack Smith immediately. Um, and, you know, that that really, to say the least, puts a wrench in that case. But how, do, how does he make Alvin Bragg and Fonnie Willis go away? That's a much harder question, but I think he has a route there, too, unfortunately, which is, 
the Department of Justice has these famous memos that say you can't be indicted uh, while you're president of the United States. But the reasoning is really about trials and why trials are too distracting for the president. And my worry is that that memo from the Department of Justice, and it isn't any memo, it's controlling policy. It's the reason Trump wasn't indicted by Mueller, uh, endorsed by Nixon, but also by Bill Clinton, that the hmm. Supreme Court, when this case goes to them, would say uh, a sitting president can't be tried full stop and will stay the proceedings and they'll be postponed essentially until he's no longer president. They won't be quashed, but they'll be delayed. And uh, there's a very real possibility that would be true, not just of the federal cases, but also of the state cases too, New York and and Georgia. Uh, And, you know, this is a court that is very loyal to him. And they have cover because they'll say this isn't just a Republican idea. It's one endorsed by Bill Clinton. And uh, I think Bill Clinton's legacy might really hurt us here. Let me ask you, let me shift gears a bit and uh, talk about something else Donald Trump made possible. And that was the ruling by a Texas federal judge to suspend the FDA's approval of a drug that is used frequently for medication abortions known as mifepristone, a drug that has been safely used over 20 years, a drug that is more safe than pregnancy and childbirth. Um, It really looks like this is getting a a lot of traction from people (laughs) hired by Donald Trump who don't have uteruses. Well, I'm going to use a very technical term that I don't often use on this show, a very legally precise term, and that's bullshit. I mean, my God, this is reading this, trying to even understand it. It took me a long time. Like, what are they even saying? Uh, It just is a cover for anti-abortion politics. And, you know, what what the courts have done so far is they've, um, you know, not gotten rid of the drug, but they've prevented it from being uh, put into the mail and put sort of hurdles up beyond what the FDA wants for what it takes to get it. Um, and, you know, the supposed reason is that the doctors are somehow being harmed by uh, people yeah. taking the drug because their future patients are uh, going to, I think they use the term aesthetically, <laughs> be, be displeased or something. I, it's kind of hard. No, no, Corey, it's, it's, no, I'm sorry, professor. Listen, you're, <laughs> you're a smart man. I'm not. Yeah. Can you let me handle the stupid stuff? Can I tell please, you exactly please. what he said? Because you, please. you shouldn't be seen repeating anything as stupid. <laughs> I mean, as, as I, I mean, bone de- like, like so stupid he could stop light. This is what yeah. judge Ho said. I'm not making fun of the man's name. That's wrong to do. But but Judge Ho said that doctors could suffer an aesthetic injury because their unborn patients are aborted. And I say, Ho, sit down. Thank you. That's what I say. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, It's mind boggling. It's about harm to the doctors. And Ho agrees with part of that decision, but then would even go further and I think ban the drug entirely. And I think actually there... In, in Ho's opinion, un, unlike the majority, you really get a full picture of what's going on because it's a lot of discussion, as you just said, about the rights of the unborn. And that's what's underneath all this you know, BS stuff about harm to doctors, that it really is a concern to protect the f- fetus as a constitutional person, something the court yeah. has never said. And even though this... Something the Bible uh, disagrees with, by the way, 100 percent Bible yeah. disagrees with. Go on. Yes, the the you know the supposed reasoning of Dobbs and and the law of the land is let majorities decide. That's not what this court believes. It's certainly not what Justice Alito believes, what Justice Thomas believes. I think they have, uh, and Justice Gorsuch is the one that I've really written about a much deeper idea 
that the fetus is a constitutional person uh, protected by the Constitution. And that would mean, of course, a national ban on abortion. And what I'm saying about so many of these cases, including Judge Ho's opinion, is you just have the lower court judges hinting at that, and in this case, more than hinting, uh, really coming out basically and saying it. And, you know, a ruling that otherwise I think makes no sense, makes perfect sense if you see that as, as the long-term agenda here. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. I mean, I, I got to read the whole sentence. Doctors delight in working with their unborn patients and experience an aesthetic injury when they are aborted. Uh, what what do women delight in when they don't want to be pregnant? I mean, uh, like this, we're we're discussing this the same time that we've got you know a a, a football coach in the Senate. Uh, who is trying to make sure that women in the armed forces are forced by the state to have children they don't want. And and, and this is what all of these non-uterus having rat bastards are trying to do to take more rights away from women because I can only assume, Corey, they want to elect more Democrats. That's that's it. Uh, (laughs) I'm hoping that in the end, the more we see Judge Ho's opinion and others like it, that we see what's at stake. You have the possibility of really, you know, rule by courts leading the way and certainly the endorsement of a Republican Congress. They, by the way, I think it's telling the Congress doesn't want to come out and 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 say, you know, what what they want, which is the national ban on abortion. They're relatively quiet about that. A few of them have been speaking up, but the courts certainly haven't been. And this is an example of where you might get ultimately. And, you know, I thought five years or something it might be sooner. Uh, a decision that really talks about, as Judge Ho says, uh, you know, not just the unborn being patients, but being full individuals <laughs> under the Constitution possessed of rights against their mo- their their mothers. That's I yeah. think, the language we'll hear. Professor, we're we're looking at seven Trump trials in the next year. Thank God we have you with us. I'm going to need you to come on the air about eight nights a week. What is the best yeah. way for our listeners to follow you, Professor Brett Schneider, and keep up with your work? You can find me on com, and evidently, my according to my uh, iPhone, on something called X. I'm trying to understand what yes. this is. But. Uh, X, yeah. Good. Well, we need more websites with the letter X in them. Uh, Corey, <laughs> thank you for joining us, and you have my permission to use that ho-sit-down joke at all the lawyer gatherings. Thank you so much. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Happy anniversary. Nirvana shot their video for Smells Like Teen Spirit on this date 32 years ago today. The final episode of Yo! MTV Raps aired. I don't think I I should tell you. The final episode of Yo! Raps aired 
28 years ago today. Stop That's it. That's how long it's been gone. I'm sorry, oh. gentlemen. I apologize. Also, U.S. President Bill Clinton, I don't know if you remember him, he admitted to having an improper relationship with Monica Lewinsky, a White House intern. 25 years ago today that happened, and it was 21 years ago that Nelly became the fifth artist to replace himself at number one on the Hot 100 when Dilemma took the top spot from Hot in Here, and I had to drink myself into a stupor to forget that fact 21 years ago today. I'm John Fugelsag. This is SiriusXM Progress. Happy birthday to the late Mae West, the late Maureen O'Hara, the late Ted Hughes, and the very much alive Robert De Niro is 80 years old today. We want to know your favorite De Niro roles or films, because he's done some great roles and some not great films. Before I get to our guest, I want to get a call in. Herschel in Ohio, welcome. You're on Progress. <laughs> you know, Biden uh, has $10 trillion authorized by... Congress that was given to him by uh, Trump, who only used two trillion of the sixteen trillion. That, well, wait, wait, how, but is this, the, is this the trillions that he was paid by Ukraine? Because they have trillions nah, lying around. Nah, I know that Hunter Biden <laughs> laundered a lot of money for his dad when he was because vice presidents had all the power <laughs> under Obama, so that's where they give the money to for bribes. No, no, this let's bribe Congress the vice president. Agreement. That's that's like the Hollywood starlet who sleeps with a writer. You know, you don't bribe <laughs> the vice president. Be, sorry, Herschel, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, but he he as the president on day one, right? He he passed an executive order that he could use now, but he was given mm -hmm. by Trump. Think about it. Trump turned over to Biden unused from Congress $10 trillion in quantitative easing Federal Reserve debt. Okay. All right? The ability to issue it. Why didn't he create a coalition? I mean, you know, when you know, fighting Trump is like punching, okay, in, in the MAGA uh, crowd, it's like punching sand. Right. OK. <laughs> so, so and having been a vet and having been in this there. Thank you for okay, your service. And, and, and knowing it. So here's here's what he can do right now. He can create a grand coalition. What if he just created a grand coalition about Biden economics that mm -hmm. was set on black folk? All right. With a BIPOC alliance, black folk, indigenous people. People of color, allied nice. white folk. Now, you're the <laughs> nice. allied white folk, right? I aspire right. to be the allied white folk, but <laughs> the allied white folk who brag about being the allied white folk tend to be part of the problem, I've learned. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's not BIPOC, it's BIPOC. Uh, so okay. Next week, <laughs> <laughs> this is you, me. You it, Will you people shut it. up? I'm an ally, okay? I'm an ally. <laughs> There you Men go. saved me, too, by the way. Men voice. were propping up me, too, for you ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now we have a chance to make it happen. Okay? I love it. Yeah. All right. And so next week, there's a black folks plan. Publish the book. Already done. Six trillion dollars for black folk. Five hundred billion dollars for the faith-based community. Those progressives. Right. Right. BIPOC Alliance. All okay. Right? With history. Yeah. Now, now here, here's it. what you're going to love. Tell it's me not quick. The 1619. This is how you defeat DeSantis. Right. <laughs> you go to. DeSantis. I, I don't think I don't think DeSantis needs help in being defeated. But tell me anyway. <laughs> yeah. Now, so you go to all of them uh, and say, "Hey, you know, in 2018, when Trump signed on January 8th, 2018, the 400 Years African American History Commission Act." All yes. right, so we're not the 1619 Project. We're American law and history back when we were an English colony. 
Okay. Yes. And so we bring it forward, and we we say we invite everybody to the table, and say everybody in the world's watching us. We're at the table. Let's present some real facts. Let's trace how this country and where the money went. How uh, it went. Who uh, got it? Uh, Four hundred <laughs> years now. Remember. Republican Herschel tragically hit by bus and hit and run accident. <laughs> that, that's why I'm moving around. You won't find me in, in that, that. Sleep with one eye open, Herschel, if that's going to be your stated platform. I love it. How do I? How do I vote for you? How do I? How do I clone you and make thousands of you vote in Ohio? That's my question. Well, next in Atlanta, the 123rd meeting of the National Business League. Okay, mm, yeah. we're we're yeah. actually going going to be that black the nice. black folks plan. Okay, nice. with us all. Herschel, how do how do people learn more? How does our army of riffraff learn more about this? Yeah, just type in Herschel Daniels Jr. or the Black Folks Plan in Google. It's right there. It's a Great. A, a Google book. It's there. Oh, and here's the kicker: we're part of a national coalition that's already put together five hundred and eighty billion dollars worth of Federal Reserve. Wow. Okay, agreements. NCRC.org. That's Herschel Daniels, what a pleasure. Thank you, and I thank you for your service as well. But now i got to introduce my guest, because I have had this man on the show many times, but he hasn't been in the studio since a previous decade. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Lawrence Ross is one of America's most important lecturers and writers of African-American literature. He's written six books, including The Divine Nine, The History of African-American Fraternities and Sororities, Friends with Benefits, Skin Game, and his most recent book, Blackballed, The Black and White Politics of Race on America's Campuses. My God, I love discussing that subject with you. Mr. Ross has lectured on over... 500 colleges and universities universally recognized and as an expert in the field of African-American fraternities and sororities. You may have seen him or heard him or read him on NPR, Good Morning Atlanta, Ebony, Essence, the LA Times, just 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 like me, Ebony, Essence, and the LA Times. <laughs> now, L- Lawrence began his writing career in the mid-90s as the managing editor of Rap Sheet Magazine, the West Coast's first hip-hop publication. Happy 50-year anniversary. Thank you. It is a great pleasure to welcome Lawrence Ross Jr. back to Sirius XM it in person. It is wonderful to see you in person it's so good to see we've you. seen each other via zoom we've uh it almost like it feels like a last decade uh, right it's an epoch i mean <laughs> but but you had quite a plague how are how are you doing um i'm doing okay i mean i had uh covid like everybody else and everything uh um i kind of had brain fog in yeah. terms of uh getting uh, you know my uh i had a rewrite uh on one of my books and uh the I, I feel so bad for my editors because uh, <laughs> I mean I always hit it's a point of pride for twenty something years maybe it's because of journalism of course you know, I always hit my deadlines and I just couldn't hit my deadlines and I was just kind of thinking to myself well maybe you know I'm getting older and I didn't want to think that but I kept thinking well why am I not being able to focus and um, yeah I went to the doctor and you know they was like hey it could possibly have been uh, brain fog and one of the things that I was talking about is that it's so hard for me to remember the beginning of the pandemic. Really? It's like the quarantine period. I, I can remember the beginning of the pandemic in, in terms of the start, but things that happened like during 2020, it's extremely- Well, yeah, when time turns to mush, it, yeah. We I were all like in old age homes and it just was, drifting. It was just, we were just drifting afloat and we had no idea about an end point. Everything in life is about a end goal and there's a kind of external and internal. You look for the external goal and you think, okay, I'm going to work. I'm going to get some money. I'm going to pay for these things. And you understand those internal goal is you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I'm you know hoping to get closer to the family, you know, yeah. love more and things like that. Yeah. That stuff matters too. It matters. And what <laughs> happened was just, it, I guess 
when you're in kind of a bubble where you don't know why the next day matters and the next exactly. day doesn't matter. Yeah. You just don't know whether or not, what are the points to actually remember? Oh, I mean, I had, I had long COVID. I had brain fog for months. Oh. It activated my, I had had um, mono in yeah. 2019, which wow. was the worst ever as a grown up. Right. And it completely reactivated it. And I was oh. back to having low grade fevers six times a day. Like I could just be like, I have a fever. I know it. And it was back. Oh. And I, I pride myself on having really good excuses when I miss my deadlines. Right, and right. I couldn't even do that. That's how I know. <laughs> like I, didn't even have the energy to make creative good excuses for missing my deadlines. Yeah, it was like, I was it, off my game. It throws you off and it took it took a while for me to actually get back. I, I feel back now. I mean, um, and but I was we were talking about a little bit earlier, in particular like my fraternity. I'm a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha. We're the ones who pulled out of Florida, y'all. I was gonna bring it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah much we, respect. We covered yeah, that right away. We were so hyped, I can't even tell you we're out in Dallas and you know, obviously we were in Dallas, but we couldn't get out of that one in time. But uh we were out in Florida and that you know, we always uh we always joke, you know, we're the fraternity of Martin Luther King. So we yeah. all think of ourselves as, you know, mini Martin Luther Kings, you know, as we are. Um <laughs> and so Which means nonviolence and uh, sleep with a lot of women. I not, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, been married for 31 years. I'm gonna leave that other part all out. Of course, <laughs> we're just gonna keep that on the, uh, on the on uh, the the. But I never, his... I never, I knew he had been part of the frat. I didn't know that like he was the the model. Oh yeah, I mean because you know Alpha has you know and, the, and, and you know my fraternity and sorority members who are listening to this will will be thinking mention our members and I swear Please. to God. All of our organizations have wonderful civil rights members uh, within the within their organization. But when we talk about Martin Luther King, is we always joke that when it comes to if you meet a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha, you could ask him any question, and it's a uh, you know what flavor ice cream do you like, and he was like Martin Luther King. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, it was like he's our he's a kind of Thurgood Marshall and the he rest. He pledged when he was at Morehouse, right? Not, no, he actually, not BU. No, he at BU. At he BU. did it. Yeah, BU? As, as an alum. Yeah, wow. yeah, he was as, as an alum. And one of the things that I think you know, I think all of our organizations, you know, whether or not we're talking about the Kappa Alpha Psi or Omega Psi Phi, Phi Beta Sigma Iota Phi Theta, aka with Kamala, Delta Sigma Theta, Sigma Gamma Rho, and Zeta Phi Beta. They all, we all have a inherent social justice, you know, activism. And we look for yes, those opportunities really to do it. I mean, one of the reasons I became a brother of Alpha Alpha in, at Berkeley was because of South African divestiture. That's right. And a lot of our members were part of that. So whenever there's a, we're, we're the ones who run toward the fire of social justice. You know, yeah, as so, opposed to running toward the fire of philanthropy, right, like other fraternities I could right, mention. Right, right. And, you know, philanthropy has its place. is great. Yeah. But, but Thanks, with, billionaires. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it also is one of those things where we look at, say, for example, we look at Florida, and it's not just the insane educational standard that they put out there about black history and saying that there were great things about, you know. You could you could be a slaver of 300 years and look at you. You're a carpenter now. Got um, so many great skills in slavery when you applied for other jobs. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know why we just, you know, I, I remember um, uh, Willie, Willie Brown, uh, Assemblyman Willie Brown, yeah. uh, who another brother of Alpha Alpha. He uh, one time said, you know, he's the most absurd thing he'd ever heard about the, the positive things about slavery was that, well, you had full employment. <laughs> you know? And so, and so it's like, well, then, well, OK, how can how can you actually uh, go against that? But I think one of the things th that occurred is that, you know, fraternities and sororities are very much uh, families, yeah. brotherhoods. Yeah. And so during covid, I, I we saw just an endless amount of our fraternity brothers who uh, who passed away um, through. It was, you know, on Facebook, they bring them all to you yeah. uh, on the feed. And it was just absolutely heartbreaking, um, you know, to see people that you knew. Um, people you knew, maybe you didn't know who are vulnerable, older, 
Right, you know, who right. had, you know, and every black person, I always joke, every black person has a, a pre-existing condition. So, so yeah. when they said pre-existing <laughs> conditions, I was like, well, wait a second, that's probably me. And that's probably everybody. And, um, and I, one really, one, one, one brother we missed, um, is a brother who was really big in, in Washington, DC, brother named Howard Franklin, who, you know, Howard was a, a character. Um, he was a great musician and he was written up, but when he passed away, in uh, in Washington D.C. and uh, Howard was one of the guys who was um, you'd you'd argue with him and then hug you know at the at the end of the day yeah. and uh, it just it was just heartbreaking to watch people that you knew just pass away and just go yeah. through a pandemic and then people just moved on yeah you know I mean I mean we spent a lot of time here discussing the racial politics of COVID right right because it grew increasingly disgusting yeah yeah under Donald Trump it was April. Of yeah. 2020, mm-hmm. when they got the numbers in that said that African Americans were disproportionately affected yeah. by the virus, and it was then that we began hearing our right wing friends start saying "reopen America" as soon as they knew. And again, essential workers. I, I was offended by that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Okay, essential, but what does that mean in terms of benefits? Yeah. Nothing. Your society collapses without them, right? And they better show up. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. It's not funny, but. One of the things you, I, I'm a great believer in trying to look at it in a macro and and putting it all together. Yeah. And you look at it and, and people just tell you, you know, the old hog, you know, thing about, you know, my Angela talking about, you know, when people tell you who they are, you know, believe them. Yeah. Or was that Tony Morrison? One of them. Um, but one of the things that you see is how people don't see you as human. And in, in they reiterate this. Yeah. And so if this can be police brutality, you know, and you can see the Blue Lives Matter as a counter to your humanity. Yeah, you know, it's not like black people are asking for extra. We just want you to see us. It's not like the people who said blue lives matter actually meant it. Either. Oh, they didn't so, give yeah. it. They didn't give it. We saw that. We <laughs> yeah. on January sixth. We didn't, they didn't exactly give a damn right. about that. But then, they uh, went from blue lives matter to fuck the police pretty quick. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I I'm like, well, how does this mesh? But mm. you know, then logic was never the strong point. But but <laughs> you you see it in a big you know if you look at it, there's an attack in terms of looking you know for the black community. Affirmative action, getting rid of that. And then next, DEI, get rid of that. Yeah. And we have to also look at it from the standpoint of don't look at it small. A lot of people were looking at it and saying, well, basically what they're trying to do is eliminate black people from elite institutions. Oh, no, no. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that you're marginalized in all institutions. Because the the, the model, if your ethos is that I don't believe that black people should have higher education. If, If you're looking at a world in which right now Gen Z, the babies born in Gen Z right now are majority minority. Right now, right? The population will get there eventually, like 30 or 40 years. But if you're thinking to yourself, I want to try to create a power structure, which is still maintaining the white supremacist, you know, kind of underlying thing. Well, then you want to really kind of choke off the places to where we naturally move, so, you know, in social economic, you know, which is access to education. And so the way you're able to do that is you choke it off at every, every. Exactly. Point. A little bit here, yeah. a little bit there. Yeah. Ban a book here. Yeah. Ban this group there. Yeah. And then you change the, you change the history. You you put the history. You get that uh, Prager U. Um, oh Prager U! I want. I'm hoping I get into that. That is absolutely. I I'm look, applying. They I, they keep asking for money, but I'm applying. Hey, look. You know, I I went to Catholic school. You know, all from kindergarten on to you know before I went wow. to Berkeley. Are you right? Okay. You and okay. I, yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm here. The Jesuits, the Jesuits beat it into me, but I'm I know. Really, it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it gave me the social justice part. That's um, me. me too. But one of the things I always joke about is if you did you go to Catholic school? No, I was raised by ex clergy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I lived in Catholic school. So if you went to Catholic school in the seventies. 
I'm pretty sure anyone around the country will remember these. You you come home, I mean, come after lunch and you would go and you come in, you see the projector and you'd be all hyped, right? And they would play this thing called Insight. And it was done by a priest. Um, and they had, it was great because they had, they were the moral tales. You can find them on YouTube, these moral tales, and they would always have stars, right? So it'd be Bob Newhart and, you know, Dorothy, Doris Day, right? Yeah, yeah. And they would always be these things that I swear to God, they're hilarious now. But as a kid, you go, hey, I don't ever want to drink, <laughs> you know, because drinking is terrible, right? And the, whatever the moralistic thing was, they would put the heavy, heavy, heavy hitters for you. And a kid, you soaked it up. Yeah. Same thing for these Prager U things is that, you know, let's say, okay, there are certain enlightened parents who are like, look, I don't want my kid to watch this, but they're going to put it in and enough of them are going to soak it up. That's it. And that's the problem. That's the problem. It's just absolute lies. But now, that's, that's how right wing media spreads all their racist shit. That's how the Charlie Kirks and the and the what, 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 Nick Fuentes is. They'll come out and they'll they'll say this thing that's completely untrue, whatever right. stereotype they want. Right. And then they'll laugh it off and say what a joke it is. But yeah. they've said it. Yeah. They've gotten the words communicated to the audience, and now they'll do a token take it back to keep themselves clean. Well, it's the same Rush Limbaugh exactly. type of, type of, yeah. type of formula, where basically you, you couch it as entertainment. You yeah. tra- couch racism as entertainment. Because I always joke that racists don't even want to say that they're racist. You no, know, they no, always, no, 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 no. I'm everything else. It's not possible. Racism it's, doesn't exist. Right. And it's a black my, president. It's over. My uncles, that's the one who's racist, but not me. And so what they do is that they, when they, when they do this, they, they they rarely try to they, they they try to hide it enough to where they're rarely caught in some really big bad overt racism you know yeah Fuentes obviously you know he's basically it's like both racist and Nazi you know yeah he is and with with the name Fuentes they always always got me and everything but you know like I always <laughs> uh, you know all 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 as we always say in the black got, community all can't find any skin folk we got George Santos I mean for for gay immigrants for Trump I mean. <sighs> I, I believe God wants us to laugh. I'm I, telling you. It's one of those things where you're like, did you ever like take a second of introspection and think to yourself, maybe they don't like me. Maybe they just don't like me for, you know, all those other attributes, you know, that, you know, the mm-hmm. LGBTQ, they're really against that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're, you're uh, a, a man of color. They really don't like that. Well, they don't mind it if you look, talk, dress and vote like them. Right. right? Well, it's it's kind of like the old colonial system. You know, in, in, you know, whether or not in Africa or yeah. whether or not, you know, you, you reward one particular tribe for actually uh, or one yes. particular ethnic group for with a little bit of power. And typically that this, this the minority, right? Yeah. The minority one. You give them some power over the, the great majority. Yep. And then they become they start to look at white supremacy and say, hey, I see myself exactly like them. And then the, the, the genius, you know, the mad genius of this the evil genius of it is that then they you do more work to sustain white supremacy than the people who want to sustain white supremacy why it's almost like it's what's that word systemic yeah we can't say that because oh my god you, you know but i always love the people on twitter you know you say something systemic racism the first thing they come back is like give me some specifics and some examples and i'm like yeah are you <laughs> connected to the exact same internet that i am and did you have the same educational opportunity that i had to be able to learn things prior to getting to this post, oh, you and are tweeting so me. much better than me. I just, I just ask them where Barack Obama was born. Oh, that's how I find. I can find out in five seconds if they value racism and lies over objective, proven fact, and, and they will tell you. 
Well, you know, one of the funny things I do during my lectures, because, you know, I lecture on campus racism, yeah. right? And one of the things I talk about is that, uh, you know, I used to have, you know, white students that come to me and say, I don't believe in systemic racism and, or that we believe in, we live in a colorblind society. Yeah, live, say, say, because they're terrified of a color conscious society. A, they say, so colorblind society. So I actually deal with that. So I ask them at the beginning, I say, you know, hey, this is what I'm going to do. When I call out your race or ethnicity, what I want you to do is to raise your hand and make a lot of noise. And I start with black people in there hooping and hollering and Latino. And then Asian, South Asian. And then, you know, they whenever I mention uh, the Native American, they all clap. And I'm like, why are you clapping? You know, what is, what is the reason why you're clapping? Because there there's a consciousness of them saying, well, we really did you guys dirty yeah. in terms of doing it. And then I ask them whether or not they can recognize other people. And I tell them, it's like, if you can recognize it within yourself and you can recognize it with other people, you're not colorblind. I don't want you to be colorblind. But I also talk about the fact that they tell me, well, I don't believe that, you know, this is, you know, a society that is uh, has white supremacy in it. Right? Of course. And I was talking about, well, OK, let's take that off the table. Let's say this is a misogynist society. Right. OK. So every student who walks out, usually at my lectures in the evening, so they walk out on campus. The male students will not think anything about this campus. That's right. right? They will yep. walk. Go to your car. They will go to the car. Not think about it. Single oh. group. No matter. Every woman will have a historical understanding of that campus. They will know where the danger parts are. They will go as a group. If they go by themselves, they will call someone. They will walk with a stick. We've gotten in a society so used to massage society That's right. in that where women who are jogging early in the morning, carrying a golf club and a stick, we don't even think twice about. Well, they've also got to, you know, dress to not to, 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 make to, a man do the wrong thing. Exactly. It's up to them. It's we, their responsibility to we, keep men from attacking. When it, 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 we, we keep that trope going. And and that's when it kind of clicks for him. Yeah. That's when it kind of clicked. Just because you don't understand it or if you're a man and you never actually thought about it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. How much do you think the year 2045 is driving all of this? Because that's the year that uh, Caucasians are projected to become a minority. Oh, it's, it's driving. And it's I think hard. it's that is the number driving everything. Oh. They they know that they can maybe through their immigration, everything, yeah. the abortion yeah. policy, the immigration yeah. policy. It's all designed to keep Caucasians the number one group. And beyond that. Once Caucasians become a minority, their their system is designed to keep Caucasians in power in perpetuity, even though they're below 50 percent of the population. It's the Nationalist Party for South Africa. Yeah. You know, the whole idea in terms of where you demographics tell you what is going to happen. Right. The Nationalist Party is a minority, even within the white. Well, it's a majority within the white, uh, you know, party uh, with with the white population of uh, in apartheid uh, South Africa. But the idea is that, hey, look, you know, you have all these uh, these black people whose demographics are going to continue to go up. Back in the 1940s, yep. we've got to create a dual system. Now, it's also based in racism with the idea that, you know, we're human and they're not. Yeah. So therefore, we deserve every all the resources. But one of the things that, you know, in this country is that we do a disservice in, in particular when politicians on all sides uh, talk about, say, for example, the idea of, of the middle class. Right. And everyone aspires to be a member of the middle class. But in reality, what we I think I would say for the great majority of us, we're working poor. Or we're working class who have a lot of consumable consumer items yes. that actually project to the middle class. You're right. Um, but when we talk about, say, for example, the middle class of the 1950s and 1960s, in which, you know, GI Bill and, you know, and a lot of that, of course, was racialized, too, in sure. terms of equity, in terms of housing yes. and things like that. That was a middle class where you could actually send your kid to a, you know, I went to Berkeley. Hey, you didn't have to pay a tuition. That's to right. Send it until guess what? Minorities are going to Berkeley and then suddenly Reagan is like, hey, exactly we need right. tuitions, mm-hmm. right? So 
when you <laughs> Reagan was the same with gun control. Yeah, well, as soon yeah, as he the, saw Black Panthers the, with guns, the, he became the, a big fan of it. Hey, you know something? We need to think about this. So when you have a people with an idea idea that that they're in the middle class, right? And they're getting squeezed from everywhere. But what happens if you suddenly become a little bit like Brazil, where the codification of the of the poor is very hard to get out of into yes. any middle class by design by design and it's almost like for the middle class it's almost like boiling uh, uh slowly right in that you know the one percent is just taking and taking and taking and you're seeing it not just uh, i was uh before the show i talked to you about like i'm a big huge college football fan yeah and my my cow golden bears and stanford you know we're cousins now mm-hmm. uh, trying to we got left out of the pac-12 uh you know when the pac-12 dissolved but that's also another indication of, for example, institutions saying, you know what, the things that we used to do in the past in terms of basically a socialist system, hey, you know what, we all share in this. We all basically recognize for our common good. That is, you know, for us, we need we to- We are a blended economy. We, blended. we have socialism and capitalism, right. which no one wants to admit, but right. we're both. NFL is a socialist system. They're not, they're yeah. not you know, they're not, they're not trying to get other people to come in to, uh, to uh, <laughs> have well, competition. It's, it's public, a monopoly. Public socialism. Public socialism. Private profits. Private, private profits, yeah. But one of the things that happens is that suddenly it's almost, you know, capitalism is, you know, is always- getting more, eating more. And so suddenly what we're seeing is that everyone who thinks that they can benefit by hoarding the resources, and this goes back to DEI. Yeah. You have uh, Bloom, the guy who uh, did the uh, the lawsuit for Harvard and for North Carolina, now attacking things like, uh, for example, DEI uh, things for VCs who uh, uh, give money to black women suing because saying that, oh, that's discriminatory. Yeah. Um, Kansas State, you know, like 3% of black people go through, go there. But when you start identifying those people being my people, <laughs> black people, as being the problem, well, then it starts to creep over everybody else. And that's where you get to 20, you know, 45-ish or right mm-hmm. there, and you can consolidate all the power. Because it doesn't make any rational sense if you think about it. The, 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 the Republican Party, regardless of whether I like their policies or not, was a rational party. It is it not was. a rational party now. No. It is not a rational party. No, now. it's the, the the party of Lincoln has become the party of John Wilkes Booth. Yes. And we got it. We got to hit a break. But I want to ask. I, I had so many questions planned for this. And <laughs> my God, it's so much fun having you back yeah. uh, because I think one of the greatest disservices we've done has been raising white people to think that racism and bigotry are the same thing. Right, and right. white people think, well, if I don't hear the N word, then how can there be racism? Not realizing bigotry is the naked hatred. Racism is the system that we ignorantly are parts of until we try to break it. Right, right. It's, uh, people have an inherent feeling that they're good people. Yeah. Right? They're morally good people and they think to themselves it's fine. But they also don't recognize when they have biases or bigotry. That they have to make changes exactly, and then recognize what have systems that actually feed into that. And that's why the Ben Shapiro's say that racism is a myth like climate change or the female orgasm. Okay, we have to take a quick <laughs> break. We'll be right back with your calls and more with Lawrence Ross. I'm so happy you're back. This is Thank Progress. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. 
Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. May West in 1967, <laughs> when she was Oh my goodness, 73 years old. Still not as bad. Doing Twist and Shout. Still not as bad as when we first got cable. Um, I think it was like 13 or 14, and there was some Mae West movie. I can't remember what it was called, but she was like 90. Sextet. Sextet! And I, you know, and I'm 13, 14. It's the summer. I'm like, hey, you're putting this on here. And I'm like, wait a second. Who is this old woman in this? And wow. I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. I can't believe I knew it right away before you said that. I've spent too much time with Frank Conniff. Um, Lawrence, I, I want to talk to you about Alpha Phi Kappa and what their decision was. But Alpha me, Phi really quick, Alpha Phi Alpha. Sorry. Uh, Ellen Philly is back. Okay. All right. Well, listen, this is started off. No, I'm not in MAGA. Thank Fuck God, we like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Okay. I got one more for you. Yeah. Fuck Donald Trump. All right? There That's you another go. one for you. All right, now listen. That's making America great again. Well, fuck him too. Uh, <laughs> so listen, this is, this is the point that I'm, I'm calling about. Please. Two things I'm going to bring up. One has to do with the DOJ, the FBI, and the spineless fucking Democratic Party who has done nothing but say, hey, just be quiet. Don't say nothing. Enough of that bullshit right there. Okay? About what? Have- wait, wait, be quiet about what? What, what, what? what are we bashing the Democrats for? No, 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 no. They're telling the, the Democratic Party from the president down has told uh, uh, the voices of the Congress and the Democratic senators just be quiet. Don't say nothing. Listen, you oh, hear nothing Trump, yeah. from them as a group. Yeah. As a group, you hear nothing oh, yeah. from them. Now, yeah, they, but, the reason but, why Trump, the reason why Trump has still the lead, as fucked up as that man is, and all the bad things he's done throughout his whole career, yes, he's sir. fucked over people's lives financially. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's done what he's done. Well. We have we have not checked him when he came out with the lie. We never checked him. You know, they, we remember we wasn't even saying a uh, lie. We was oh well, he's telling an untruth. Oh we, yeah. yeah. Well, we did on this show, but you're right. The New York Times, pr- Lawrence, oh. prevarication, it, it, whoppers. It's, it's the it, words they use to avoid saying lie for years. The New York Times pitch spot. Is and if you don't yeah, follow I love it. it, yeah, I do. Is is the it, you would think it would be absurd, but it's but but it's pretty much accurate. Yeah. how the New York Times actually. Go ahead, El. You, I, your you, I, your guests, the yes. the public, ourselves. We're smarter than these motherfuckers that's in office. It's yes, time sir. for us to have our own organization amongst ourselves. Joe Average, the work at the fucking rim shop to somebody that work at the railroad station. Us have our organization to check all of these people, both sides, whether yeah. we want what the fuck we want and what we need. Not we, we, we hold these politicians up like they're they're some fucking great gods or something. They are some stupid fucking people. 
These are some of the most <laughs> stupidest people in in the country, and they're he, running the he's country. Not lying. That's he's why not lying. there's a divide. I've met Ron like Johnson. Oh yeah. Yeah, you, you, you see, you, well, you're part well, of my. Well, you know who are we, who are we talking about? All of them. Uh, you, uh, Lindsey Graham. If Lindsey Graham got oh. Donald Trump's ball sitting on his forehead, there isn't nothing that's happening with that situation. Lindsey, oh my God. Is Lindsey. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want to say that. No, 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 no. See, Lawrence, I, go ahead. But I, okay, so first of all, you must be part of my tribe because you curse Thank just you. like me. Yes, like sir. Me. I, I oh, love by the you. way, I'm, I'm already starting the We Want What the Fuck We Want party. Uh, you know We're what? I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you because you curse just like I, I do. <laughs> um, but I think there are two, I think there are a number of things. I think the first thing is, um, you know, when we, the first point in terms of like why the Democrats are insane thing was like, well, first of all, if a cat is, is effing themselves up, hey, go all about it. Keep on messing yourself up, you know, and, you know, we also got to remember there's a couple of things that I always knew when, say, for example, for, you know, with these uh, indictments. Right. Uh-huh. Um, when funny uh, Will- uh, yeah, Willis, well, funny Willis was first interviewed. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm married to a black woman for the last 31 years. So I knew the cues when <laughs> when 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 uh, when Fonnie Willis was sitting there talking and Fonnie Willis said, this is not a game. And when I heard that and if you have a mother. <laughs> black mother or, or or a black wife or black girlfriend, you knew right then Donald Trump was in trouble. And he, <laughs> he was in trouble because that means that she was very, very serious about making sure that she got all the criminality all out. That's right. The, the next thing I would say, but I, I get what you're saying. Now, I want your passion. I love your passion about and particularly I love how you talked about the outreach to all those places in the community and the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. So I own a, um, I'm going to give a nice little plug. Um, I own a, a co-working space in LA, in the South Central LA, called the Metaphor Club, right? And all down Crenshaw Boulevard, I know every last one of the owners, like the barbershop, the guy across the street, shout out to Taco Mel, all these places across, you know, that are individual owned businesses. We talk. And those are the people who oftentimes don't get talk to, particularly when it comes to black men. Sure. Right. In terms of just focusing and saying, hey, you know, what's it, you know, besides all the things of the Trump issue in terms of, you know, the existential threat that he is, what as a black man who's an entrepreneur and a business owner with a brick and mortar, what is it like? What, what, What could you use, you know, from the federal government? Right. You know, could, you know, could we improve the, the sewer system that's been here since 1927? That would be fantastic. The infrastructure plan. Mm-hmm. Make it real to me. Yeah. Right. And in the exact same way, that makes what you in your passion that you were talking about, talking to the rim shop and everything else like that. All these people who aren't they say they're not political, but they are political. Every time yeah. you pay your taxes, you are political. Yeah. And so that, and anytime you avoid voting, you're being political. You're too. being you're being political, too. There's like 100 million people who don't vote. Yeah. And so that is the thing in terms of like, you know, the talking to the Democrats. That's what they've got to do. You can't keep coming over the last few months and then say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we kind of need your vote. Well, yeah, we know you need our vote and, you know, something we're going to give a vote. But you know what? You need to be speaking to who and what we are in our communities. What is it for our families and things like that? But this goes beyond just black folks. Isn't the greatest threat the Democratic Party faces is that they're going to be seen as just the party of educated people with college degrees because they're losing working white people, too. Yeah. And And, and I never understood how Democrats lost working white people and particularly rural people. I mean, when we talk about racism, is how they lost Well, the racism, too. And rural. Rural, remember, we've always been the Democrats, and I'm a 
proud Democrat, but the Democrats have always been a coalition of unlikely things. What is a always. Uh, limited snickets of uh, political parties, right? <laughs> you know, it's um, you know, it's unions that didn't yeah. allow black folks in, but then it had you know uh, black workers over here, mm-hmm. right? And it had you know all these different things, and you know, okay, ethnic coalitions, white LGBT ethnic, people, LGBT, women, bringing all these people in, and we, you know, we we we're at the party. You know, we got a great after party. Um, we may not kick it during the whole thing, and sometimes it's integrated. It's our families, right? But regardless of that, you, like you were saying, in terms of the educated white folks, those are usually the donor base. True. And the donor base is what people typically say, hey, that's, that's what they suck up to. to. You have to suck up to. And then you go and like, wait a second, I'm not beholden to the donor base. That's it. I'm, I'm a person who you should come into, not just the black church on Sunday where you, you know, fake yeah. your black accent and everything <laughs> to come in and say that you, you know, sing the second verse of, you know, of the black national anthem. Come in and do retail politics. Come in yeah. and understand who and what I am and then speak to it. You know, I, I'm going to be Come honest. find out how much a gallon of milk costs in this neighborhood. In this neighborhood, because it's a lot more expensive. Hell, you might want to know how much, well, I should say, but how much a, a pack of Newports are, because that, a lot of people are going to be buying those too. You need to be able to talk to, you know, it's the old, you know, adage, you know, walk with Kings and don't leave, lose the common touch. Yeah. Um, and be strategic about it too. I, I, I'm, I criticize the Democrats, um, for example, for not sending one, someone to the Alpha Phi Alpha Convention. Yeah. You have thousands of alphas, men who are in chapters who are just like 700 chapters all across this country who you could have reached with a message. Same thing with Kappa Alpha Psi, who had yeah. met. Yeah. Um, and all the organizations are going to be meeting. And they should have been out there and saying, you know what, we see you. We see your problems. We see your issues. And this is what we're fighting for. L, what advice would you give to the Democratic Party to try to get right? Okay. I honestly believe that they need a different form of leadership. Okay, we have to know and learn immediately how to fight. The reason why people still follow Donald Trump is because he shows to that ilk of people, which is, I believe, the dumbest third uh, third percentage of the country. Okay, he shows to them. I'm here for you. I'm the big He's a dog. Fighter. Yep. I'm the this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lies that this man tells on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And right. then we never check him. There, is, right. there should be, every time he opens his mouth on whatever program, there should be somebody on the Democratic side from a Congress or a group of people saying, listen, this man just told you a ball-faced lie about this, this, and this. Not even a Democrat. The journalist hosting the program should give that fact check. But we're going to we're gonna have to leave it here. <laughs> That's the Wolf Blitzer. We'll just have to leave it there, yeah, then. And I, yeah, we all just find ourselves screaming. Uh, I think, I think uh, in some ways, that you know, horses left the barn in terms of, you know, counteracting the lies because there's so many. But I th- also think, yeah, I think we have some fight. I think Hakeem Jeffries is from oh, the yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. And I think, and there's a difference between also a member of Cap Alpha Psi. Um, uh, Hakeem Jeffries is one of those uh, guys who understand two different ways of ba- basically counteracting. And this is how I you know, do it too, right? You, uh, you have the information. You have the truth. And you're able to say the truth, but you also mock them as you say the truth. Because what they're saying, the lies in which they're saying are not worthy of a serious discussion. And we also, and this is one last thing I would say about Trump. Don't believe that the monster in the closet is more powerful than he actually is. 
He's he's shrinking as he goes. L, I really appreciate your call and thank you for all the brilliant points and your passion. Please call us back anytime. I want I want to ask you one last. We we had all these questions to ask you. We didn't get to my first one, but <laughs> the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity when they announced they weren't going to Florida, right? I thought that was even more powerful than the NAACP alert. And in both cases, we saw people on the right say, "Look at this theater! Look at this theater!" Oh, we were killing and them like, off. As opposed to Ron DeSantis lying a bunch of law-abiding asylum seekers onto a plane with promises of jobs and green cards so they can be humiliated and dumped in the Republican governor of Massachusetts backyard right. so he can be hateful to a despised minority group so shitty Christians will vote for him. Yeah. And this is theater? Cruelty is the is the, is the point as people have been talking about. Cruelty is the point. Any, again, so I say it's not a rational party. Yeah. Because it, it, this is basically human trafficking, you know, and they, they, they're gleeful about it. Yeah. And they're, they're gleeful about it. And, and, and in the midst of that, also, we, we always must remember that we don't lose our own humanity fighting the yes, inhumanity. Exactly. We, we can't, always we, we can't hate them. You can't. You, well, you can I'm, hate. You can hate what they do. No, no. I, I believe this. I believe I, this because hate makes you stupid. Right. Right. I, I think. I think. Uh, I always say you don't really hate the people. You hate the ideas. Yeah. And at the at the you know because I'm I'm going to hate white supremacy. I'm going to absolutely hate, hate the actions, hate the, the lies, hate yeah. the deeds, and hate the words because it's it's a existential threat to me in terms of my lifespan. Exactly. You know. My health, my child, you know, my wife and everyone, every my community. I'm gonna hate the idea, I'm gonna hate this construct, I'm gonna deconstruct that. But when it comes to the individual people, there has to be a fight against those. Whether I talk about Greg Abbott or you know, with those I'm sorry, I hate him. You're right. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. yeah, I take it back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, you have those buoys out there I with just, I you mean, know ripping children to shreds. And when you when you see those people, well, I'm a great you know, mixing all the religious, you know, type of things. I'm a great believer that, you know, karma is going to come back. You know, Me too. It's, a, it's a very, you know, you know, it's a opposite well, reaction. It, you, you know, it plays I, a long game. too. Yeah, it's a long game. And uh, and I, I kind of I always just joke and I feel sad for for Harvard. Um, I, I just don't know how they admitted Ron DeSantis. I just don't understand. They admitted George W. Bush. What don't you understand? But you know, at least George knew he had family. No, he had money. family. He had money. Legacy. DeSantis is just a dude from East Florida man. He's over. Yeah, he's well, over. Oh, but but he's but, done like disco. I, you know what? He he doesn't even understand that. That's why it's fun. That's the beautiful part. I mean, he really he really doesn't understand how over it is. Which for me, I want him to keep going. Keep throwing the money at it. We've, we've only got like a minute left. Yeah. And, and I didn't get to my first question, so you got to come back again <laughs> yeah, next time yeah, I'm in yeah. town. But um, what is giving you optimism and hope? Oh, the same thing is always giving me optimism and hope. First of all, you know, when I, I look at from the perspective of a black person in this country, I'm like, hey, look, my grand, um, you know, my grandmother, my mom pulled, she says she didn't pick cotton. She pulled cotton in, in Texas. Right. You know, I'm I'm. My grandfather, great grandparents, all the rest of that. So I'm, I'm standing here with, you know, two degrees. I'm successful and all the rest of the stuff. My son is successful in grad school. You can't defeat black people. I mean, you can try. And that's what gives me hope. I'm always very optimistic. People throw obstacles in front of us. And this is kind of like going back with Alpha by Alpha moving yeah. from Florida. And people were like, oh, you guys did this and did this. I'm like, you really don't. You are so ignorant of who and what we are and what we do. We don't stop. In terms of, of social justice and who we are, because we have the long game. We okay. look at it from the standpoint is that we're not just in this for us. We're in this for future generations. So you can get your quip off, 
but we're going to be the ones who are going to be actually electing people and, uh, you know, training people for the next generation. Every time I see you, I'm somehow proud to be an American and outraged at America at the same time. <laughs> Lawrence, it is such a joy. I'm so glad you're well and that you're over the COVID. What is the best way for our audience, our Army of Riff Raff, to follow you and keep up with you? I work? would love that Army of Riff Raff. Uh, follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, which I'm often t- on time until uh, Elon makes it uh, intolerable. You can find me at Alpha, A-L-P-H-A, 1906 on both Instagram and on Twitter. It's so good to see you again. My Great to see your you, family. man. Oh,